Brought Thin Mints. Oh. oh. Thin Mints. Uh, oh. Oh, This is a wad. This is a thick mint. Yeah. He's quite the basic. Ask not what your boys can do for you. Quick shout out to my niece Ellie for the Thin Mints. Oh, nice. This Thank episode you. brought to you by my niece Ellie. Thank you for being one of our sponsors. Niece yeah. Ellie, we enjoy the Thin Mints. If you also want a nine-year-old niece Ellie, it's too dang bad there's only one. Yo. Welcome to Haas, boys. I got Max on my right. Yo. I got Mike on my left. What's up? Guys, we got something to settle here before we go any further, which is... What does XNDA mean? <laughs> I, I legit didn't know what you were going into, and I was so stoked, and I was very happy when it came to what that was. We polled you guys this week on Instagram, and many of you got back. Max, why don't you read some of the uh, suggestions to us? So again, we're trying to figure out what Lewis Hamilton's stage name, XNDA, stands for. Okay, First one comes in from Mo saying extra nice dump truck. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. That's okay. That's different. It's objectifying. Yeah. It's, okay. He's talking he's, about his own. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like Mo is objectifying Lewis. That's what that's how I took it as well. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Which I don't know if we stand for male objectification on this podcast. No. So definitely not. I give that a 7 out of 10, pretty likely. Pretty likely. Okay, yeah. yeah. I yeah, like yeah, this yeah. rating skill. Yeah. Um, this comes in from Tyler. Extra non-disclosure agreements. That's hilarious. <laughs> that was my response the moment that you said his name. Really? Was, yeah, extra non-disclosure <laughs> agreements, which knowing Lewis... That's a pretty true. good name. It could be true. He loves NDAs because he's got tons of secrets. Yeah. And Formula One is a world of secrets. Yeah. Extra non-disclosure agreements. Okay. Thank you for that, Tyler. I'd give that, you know, I like it, but I'm going to I'm gonna say that it's a little lower. I'm going to give that a, a six out of 10 in likelihood. Have another one. Um, Xerox never designed anything. Ooh, a they little statement. I, get, I give that a 10 out of 10. I think that that's the most likely we've gotten so far. Xerox never developed anything, a little mm. statement. But Ooh. quick fact, uh, Steve Jobs actually stole the graphic user interface idea from Xerox. Mm. Are you saying that he copied it? Oh. Did he Xerox it? <laughs> I love that one. We have another one. Exceptional need for dramatic attention. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a really good one. <laughs> Maybe not a Lewis fan coming in right there, but yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. great. Making it known. Extra? Does what? He, does what he it? need attention? Extra need for dramatic attention. Oh, that's... that's is that it because of deep. the clothes he wears? Just Bono, the my tires are gone. Bono, my, Bono, my tires, my tires are gone. My tires are gone, mate. Why is he in the Beatles? Just, yeah, he just got really <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> Bono, my tires Bono. are gone. The tires are gone. The very I gone. think if you like locked Lewis in a room for like five years alone, we'd eventually hear his real accent. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's that. Bono, mate, my tires are all gone. <laughs> oh, no, John. John, my I'm going to have to go home in my yellow submarine <laughs> instead of my car. Mate. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a Beatles version of like a Wallace and Gromit. 
If Lewis was made into a claymation chicken run, yeah, walks and grommet, Toto, wheels, Toto. We got to go where there's wheels. Wheels, grommet. You guys are much more familiar with this show than I am. Clearly, all right, we'll do a group watch of uh, Wallace and Gromit. A last one following sent in. Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Extra needy driver approaching. Uh, <laughs> oh my this gosh. This person's coming in hot and we yeah. love it. They came in hot as a pistol and we're here for it. <laughs> Extra needy driver approaching. Mm. All right, we actually I'm going to abandon the rating system because we got some real good ones. Some front runners. I'd put there's three of those that I think were right at the top of the pops. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. We just need Lewis to come in and tell us now. So, yeah. Lewis, you're listening right now. <laughs> don't Ooh. listen to episode six. <laughs> just, and please come on the podcast. <laughs> we don't want to talk about driving, dude. And skip past all of what we've said so far, yeah. just so you can tell us. Yeah. Can somebody just clip this out and send it to him? Roscoe. Can Roscoe please clip this out? Who's send Roscoe? it to his assistant. His dog. His, his dog. Uh, yeah. You knew um, he was a rapper before you knew about Roscoe? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't think we knew a couple of weeks. Didn't we talk about his dog a couple weeks ago? And we didn't know the name. Maybe. And then I was watching Drive to Survive and oh. he said the name. And I was like, that's it. Right. We said it was Toto. We said yeah, his dog was, was, was Toto. Toto. <laughs> Which, Which may be true. Opportunity it's, lost if it's not. It's yeah. definitely missed. Yeah. Wow, guys, we have the best listeners in all of podcastdom. Very true. <laughs> Stay tuned on the Instagram account. We're going to have tons of these Q&As, man. Well, guys, we've had a super eventful week from the last time that we released a podcast. Sure did. Lots of stuff going on, and we are going to dive into all of it today. But first of all, we barely missed the news about Kevin Magnuson joining Haas Woo-hoo! for 2022. Yeah. I'm so stoked. Why yeah. did I feel like I got blindsided by that? We were so yeah. into Hulkenberg, uh, Giovinazzi. Why were we and so Cittipaldi. obsessed with Hulkenberg when Kevin was totally available? Uh, I Clearly just, an I option, have, right? I yeah. mean, my celebrity crush might be Hulkenberg. He's yeah. pretty dreamy looking. He's a dreamy guy. But we couldn't see the Magnuson for the Hulkenberg <laughs> trees. <laughs> but Gunter did. Gunter he, did. Gunter walked so we could run. <laughs> Thank you, Gunter. Well, I mean, I think that it, it makes perfect sense. And it's funny that we didn't even mention him. And, and and listening back to our previous episode, I'm like, how is Kevin's name not on this list? You listen to the podcast? <laughs> I quality control. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, but no, and I, I was listening to it and I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, why isn't Kevin on this list? Now, yeah. obviously in Formula One, if you lose your seat, you're done. Mm. This is historically what we believe to be true in the sport yeah people lose their seat game over yeah so for Haas to invite a driver back is and Roman Grosjean lost his seat in more than one way absolutely and he never came back if you burn your seat you don't get another one okay yeah that's that's where it's hard and fast this seems like there's a (laughs) line in the sand actually lose your seat (laughs) I don't know where my seat went Gunter you lost it again looks like you're going to IndyCar (laughs) you lost it again I swear it was right here (laughs) Yeah, if it's spread all over the track at Bahrain, then you're out of luck. You're out of luck. To be fair, Roman had a longer run in the car than Kevin did. He had a year, one more year than mm. Kevin did. So, But Roman's not coming back. No. We didn't even think of him because he's living at large in IndyCar. He's got a contract. And if we're defining differences between Kevin and Roman in that way, 
Kevin wasn't under contract. Has he been doing gigs and deals trying to figure out what endurance championship he's going to run, what kind of cars he's going to race for Lamont and he was Daytona. Just, uh, yeah, he ran Daytona. 24 hour Daytona. So we yeah. just, we did just talk we about him about and uh, that was very present. He was very recently driving and trying to figure that out. So yeah. here's the thing though. That is a team that knows Kevin very well. So right yeah. out of the gate, they know how to communicate with him. He knows how to communicate with his engineers. Hey, oh, huge dude. The front end is being a little weird. It's maybe a little bit slippery in the corners. Whatever he's going to communicate, they already know how to interpret. Yeah. So he's a huge win by just being able to jump in the car and immediately be able to con- communicate yeah. with his race engineer. Yeah. Pretty cool. Way to go to Haas for out of all the people that were available, picking somebody that they had history with. Because as we know, in any creative endeavor or any endeavor with partners, you've got to work out a framework and it just takes time. And so how amazing that they're able, able to jump in. And we're seeing some crazy results from that choice. Immediate results. Again, I think that one of the things that's so cool there, he jumps in the car, Sets the fastest lap of day two in testing in Bahrain, having spent no simulator time yeah. adjusting to the new ground effects car. And he's he's just crushing it. I mean, again, it's like I, one of the things that I read that was super interesting is he, he stated that how sore his neck was. Yeah, I, I saw that. After testing. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, he probably ran the length of like two Grand Prix in a day. And had no off-season like Formula One training. <laughs> it just jumps in the car and does two full race lengths. Yeah, with six G being tweaked on his neck the whole time <laughs> after a year of eating Doritos, <laughs> right? And doing like a Daytona prototype here or there. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's got to do a number on your neck. Protect your neck, in the words of Wu Tang. If only the killer bees were sponsors of Haas, they would have known. So what were our results from testing? Day two, fastest lap of the day, which, you know, there's a few factors there could play into that. I was going to say, also, like, does testing really mean anything? It's fun to get stoked. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, ah, like, I don't know if even Haas is out doing the real thing, you know? But like, yeah, they got the fastest lap. I don't know what day it was, but Schumacher got the second fastest lap? On day three. Crazy. It's fun. It's fun. Either way, both of their times for day two and day three were faster than the previous qualifying time for Haas the year prior. Oh, that, that's cool. Th- to see, there's bro. something we can, can that's put a in milestone. Our yeah. Cause you can't fake that. You can't. That's and, super cool. And if you're measuring against a car that's supposed to be three seconds faster, yeah. which was the goal, and Haas is faster than their old car by that much. Yeah. They've really engineered something pretty pretty special. And Lando Norris was quoted today saying that they believe that McLaren's going to be competing with Haas for a spot in the be World so, Constructor Champ. He's so fun. Yeah. This is it's race week, so we're right. Rossiq, dude. I mean, we're actually going to see these things and what they can do. Gosh, so it's I can't be all out wild this racing. This Sunday, all the speculation, all the talk is finally going to come down yeah, to. What? what's actually on the track oh, it, it finally comes to an end that lewis stops saying we won't be competing for yeah. yeah oh my gosh i'm gonna pee <laughs> sometime between now and the race yeah, yeah. whoa oh really active bladder yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> should we do something what should we do I, we have to like should we do a live stream right as the race before the race starts and just like sit, tell everybody we're just gonna be live streaming and say hi i mean like at five in the morning 
four in the morning? No, 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 not the Bahrain race. Remember my story? No. Tell your story, with, Mike. R- I don't r- listen the, to your the story. The birth of my daughter with Roman's <laughs> crash. Oh, right. Do you think you had his daughter at five in the morning? <laughs> no, I, like eight or nine a.m. Okay. Because it's a night race in Bahrain. It's okay. the it's the early morning here, but not like even six a.m. It's pretty reasonable. I'll have to look at the time. No. Yeah, if you want a friend to watch it with, watch it with us. That'd be fun. Yes, it is race week. And folks, tune in with the Haas Boys this Sunday at 8.55 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. We're going to be live streaming from the Haas.Boys Instagram account. Special guest Megan the Stallion. Special guest Megan the Stallion is going to be in the room with us. Yep. Uh, which is uh, really exciting. She's going to freestyle the whole race. She's going to freestyle the whole race. And uh, our only job is to feed her as she freestyles. <laughs> oh, Apparently, she runs out of energy really quick. Anyways, that's what her manager yeah. said. I don't want to judge. You've never seen anything like it. It's going to be great. Yeah, you've never seen anything like that. I can promise. Uh, so, yeah, Max, you're working on the feeding tube and everything? Oh, yeah, it's just a feedback. She's a stallion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, tune in with us. <laughs> Just a bunch of oats. <laughs> yeah, it's a feedback. Okay, shot around her head and she's mobile. <laughs> so, tune in with us, 8.55 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time on this Sunday. And join us for the biggest event of the season. Today, for this episode, we wanted to take the opportunity to do a deep dive into Kevin Magnuson as we're going to be talking about him a lot throughout this season. And we just want to get some good background on the guy. So what are the broad strokes here? He was like probably one of the first drivers I saw watching Drive to Survive because Haas was all over the first season. Kevin Magnuson was on the team at that point. So where's Kevin Magnuson from? He's Danish. Danish. First Danish and to how, win or first how to old is he? race? He has a, He's 29. Okay. I was going to yeah. say, he has a beard, makes him look like what? Santa, like old. Yeah. It's like white. Old, it is very white He's blonde. an old sailor looking man. Yeah. yeah especially is. the tattoos add to that for sure. He's younger than both of us. He, and he's kind of quiet. Yeah. Which makes you think that he's older. Mm-hmm. He, he needs a corn cob pipe. Oh, yeah. We'll put, can we do that? We can make him smoke one. Okay. Just the helmet flying by with a little cob pipe <laughs> sticking out of the visor. Just streaming smoke. <laughs> yeah. The brakes are on fire. No, he's just no, smoking he's, his pipe. Please initiate smoke. <laughs> from the car? No, from my pipe. What did Kimmy say? The drink. Or yeah, just give me Kevin the drink. Magnuson, give me the, the pipe. The drink isn't working. Give the me pipe. the pipe. The pipe isn't working. <laughs> uh, we'll turn it on for you. <laughs> the pipe is working. Thank you. <laughs> That's cool that you're familiar with him so quickly. One of the things that's crazy about Kevin Magnuson's career is it got off to a start with none other than McLaren in 2014. Across from Jensen Button, I believe. So started his career with McLaren in 2014. He replaced Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez. That guy's been in for a while. Which is so weird because I feel like he's so young. I mean, he's not, but yeah, 2014, he was replaced. Wow. Yeah, and Kevin came into the role, and uh, Jensen was his teammate. In his first race, he became one of very few drivers to podium in his first race. Cool. The, the last driver to do that prior to him was Lewis Hamilton. Ah, uh, and then since then, Max Verstappen. Correct. Max have, Verstappen, first race, he won. But with Red Bull. So he had done Toro Rosso races prior to that. He had been in F1. He had been in F1 as a Toro Rosso. Um, alongside there's a little asterisk there that I didn't Carlos know Carlos Sainz. 
And so they were teammates. The Prior to Kevin Magnuson's podium as a rookie, the last driver to do that was Lewis Hamilton. It was a breakout first race, big time, like made, made a huge, huge impact. It was in Adelaide. And that was a race that Daniel Ricciardo placed second, but then was disqualified for fuel irregularities. Ooh, yeah. And then Magnuson, and Magnuson was graduated to second place. Oh, but this also stripped Daniel Ricardo of an Australian the win. Australian podium. It's too bad too at bad. his home race. So an interesting start. The rest of the year was a little bit more of ups and downs, but a still consistent drive from Kevin. And McLaren had told Kevin that Jensen was retiring, and that Fernando Alonso was coming to the team, which didn't happen. And what ended up happening was and they built it up jensen was retiring this was the story yeah they had everything built up and put together for him they've even had retirement parties for him and as they got to december Uh they announced that fernando alonso would be joining the team alongside jensen button and Uh, kevin was out of a chop oh weird and became reserve driver correct while trying to get into indycar yeah well, not trying to, but talking to Andretti at IndyCar. And McLaren made an aggressive move to block him from going to IndyCar. Saying, oh, no, no kidding. He's ours. Wait, he's ours as a reserve driver? Don't touch him? You can't have him. Nasty. And so Kevin remained a reserve driver for McLaren until he got a seat. If at Kevin Magnussen had just driven for Red Bull and podium on his first race for Red Bull, they would have been obsessed with him right. for decades. Worshipped the ground right. he walked on. But just because he was at McLaren... McLaren they're like reserve driver. Right. Yeah, Red Bull or, I mean, obviously Haas wasn't around, but one of these smaller teams, they would have worshipped him for yeah. until now. Red Bull just has this obsession with young, youth and winning young. Like, yeah. we want the records as young and yeah. winning. That is a funny comparison to make that, yeah, if he had been in another team, he would be a legend. I mean, he is pretty legendary, but he would be a absolute legend today because yeah. he would have been scooped up and just like cared for like a little baby bird. But yeah. since he was with a team that w- had a history of winning and, and already had the possibility of getting Fernando on, yeah. who's fighting with Ferrari, it's like, uh, okay, we've got two legends. You've got to go, even though you're performing for us, which is so funny. I just am imagining it. If it was in like an alternate universe, Kevin Magnussen was driving for Red Bull that first season or whatever and podiumed. He would have just been the new Max Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. And then he would have stayed there just like Max Verstappen has stayed there and let them develop that car. Which is so interesting to think like, is Max really this good of a driver or is there like five or six people that could have that seat? And would have well, Carlos Sainz is the perfect example, and just like developed the car around Kevin Magnussen right. because he won or podium that he first won. race, and he's some magic about right. Him. There was magic about him, and yeah. they just focused on him as much as you know, poured yeah. money into him like they yeah. did Max. What were you saying about Carlos? Well, Carlos Sainz was his teammate at, at Toro Rosso when they graduated Max to Red Bull, and oh. he, and this is a pretty interesting part of Max's story is a small side jaunt here. Carlos is bitter, okay? Because Daniel Kvyat gets the seat at Red Bull after Daniel... Ricardo After left. Daniel Ricardo leaves, Daniel Kvyat comes up to join along... Oh, wait, no, excuse me. When Sebastian Vettel left to Ferrari, Daniel Ricardo needed a teammate, so they brought in Daniel Kvyat. Daniel Kvyat came in. They called him the Torpedo because he ran into Sebastian Vettel so many times in his Ferrari. 
Yeah. And Sebastian was having conversations <laughs> on the pit wall with Christian saying, you need to get rid of the guy. <laughs> and they listened. They replaced Daniel Kvyat partway through the season. And instead of reaching for Carlos Sainz, who had been at Toro Rosso and had was the more senior of the two drivers, they graduated Max. Do we know why? Just because Max... There was already this stigma. Christian had a feeling in his heart that he was about to make a best friend. (laughs) Well, but here's the thing. Max graduated straight to F1. He didn't race F2. So he skipped over it and came into F1 into a Toro Rosso seat without having to do a lot of the ladder climbing that most of the Red Bull Junior Academy did. So he was already kind of a golden boy. They already knew that he had a lot of potential. And so when the opportunity arose to put him in the big seat, they're like, well, let's just try it. Wait, meaning he went from karting to F1? I believe it was F3. F3. He went from F3 straight to F1. to F1. He went from soapbox derbies right to F1. <laughs> he went from tricycles straight to F1. Drift But just tricycles. funny that he was drifting mm-hmm. tri- tricycles at like 17, but mm-hmm. everybody has a different journey. <laughs> Like no. Kevin Magnuson. And from what I remember about the story, and I might be somewhat telling this in, incorrectly, McLaren was transitioning from Mercedes to Honda. There was a relationship with Jensen and Honda that ran deep. And the the guys at Honda were very interested in trying to build the team with Jensen Button and Fernando Alonso and not Kevin Magnuson. Funny. And so this is where that money game comes into play and Kevin didn't have a say or a chance. Right. He, he wasn't quite such a hot topic like Max. He wasn't quite such a legend like Alonzo. He just kind of got, even though he's a brilliant driver, gets caught in the middle, sort of falls through the cracks and continued to fall through the cracks until 2021, right? Until he landed at Haas. And then- Well, I mean, even, even he after- He struggled at he, Haas. He gets struck from Haas later down the road. Right. And so- For probably a similar reason, because Haas needed a sponsor. Right. And, and he just didn't and have the star power. Mazepin had the billions behind him. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this is that I felt like it, it became so obvious to me that it was clear to Kevin that the reason he was replaced by Mazepin was money. And mm-hmm. it was clear to him that that happened. Yeah. Suddenly his Herbie post on Instagram had deeper meaning. It wasn't just him making fun of the livery. He was also being like, screw those guys. We'll have to repost that on our Instagram. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic. But for him to come back, for, for him to come back, I think that the major point is, is that it's, they had that trust in him. They relieved him of duty to stay in the sport. And then the second that they got the opportunity to bring him back, they did. Uh, so back to 2016, he's released from McLaren and goes to Renault. Which was a team that was just purchased from Lotus at the time. And so, it, and it hadn't been active, right? Were, were Lotus active up until 2015 or, or was it dormant team? To some extent, they were active and participating, but they were carrying the Lotus branding on the Renault car. And Renault was oh, decent because Red Bull was running a Renault engine when Sebastian was winning, but this was now turbo hybrid era. Yes. And so this is a transitional uh, gotcha. part of that point. Uh, Renault had won two championships with Fernando Alonso and then oh, Renault powered the Red Bull through four championships. So Renault had definitely seen success through the previous era as they had taken a few years break from the sport, which Lotus then supplied the car through, I think, a four-year period. Renault bought Lotus out, brought the team back to the track. But now you have a brand new 
aero package, brand new engine, powertrain. You know, they were making the engine and powertrain, but jumping right in into making a chassis meant that they were competing under completely different rules. And had lots and lots of mechanical lots of problems. problems. Like just about everything you can imagine. Who was his teammate at Renault? Palmer. Jolian Palmer. The old Jolie Pole. Joe Pole. <laughs> Jolian Palmer. Jolian. 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 <laughs> Julian Palmer was a rookie. He's now an F1 pundit who does the like the paddock interviews and some like technical analysis and things like that these days. Kevin was there through a rough period of Renault getting their feet wet, experimenting, trying to get the car Mm. to compete. Yeah. So it wasn't very competitive. Also a mid-pack car, which means it's littered with accidents and lots of, (laughs) you know, that type of action. It's one of these stories that we're just following this guy that just hits a lot of bad brakes. Yeah, and an example of like really good drivers that could otherwise be amazing if they just had an also amazing team backing them with their car. Right, at the right time, because none of these teams are great all the time. Right. I don't know, it just kind of reminds me of what I almost thought was going to be happening with Danny Ricardo, which is like getting bumped off, being on the wrong team, and then going to the another team when the mm-hmm. other team is becoming amazing. Luckily, that didn't really happen. Luckily, that's not what we saw, but it is funny to watch the, the career arcs of these drivers and just see that it really is about right time, right place. Mm. It's like, yeah, Lewis is great. Max is great. I'm just saying them because they're, you know, previous world champions. Yeah, previous world champions. But it's like, (laughs) saying it's just talent would be an absolutely ridiculous statement because it's so much about how they get developed, what seat they happen to be sitting in, who happens to have an open seat, who happens to have the money that they don't need somebody with backing. Well, like a good example is kind of like Sergio Perez. He didn't He'd sure. he had podiumed before, right? But he had never won a race. Then he gets in the re- no, he did one win at the very end in the for Force India. Yeah. But like looking at his Red Bull season last year, crazy competitive. Yeah. Same Sergio, really cool car. Yeah. Well, and to give him a lot of credit and something that I felt like a lot of people noticed, but you know, to harp on it even further, Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon both struggled to be Red Bull driver too. Sergio managed wins, managed podiums. He managed to compete. I I can't say that leading up to that point, I had noticed anything that was like amazing out of Sergio, but to see him jump into a a car that's built for Max and interpret it the way that he did, I'm I'm impressed. Guy's good. So obviously Renault, that's 2016, pretty rough season, rough car, a team in transition. That's not a good time for a brand new driver to enter a team or really any driver to be on a team as we've seen with other teams when they're in transition it's a it's a tough time so from there it goes straight to Haas and replaces Esteban Gutierrez so yeah. he's replacing Esteban because next to Roman he was very much underperforming right and also because Gunter had wanted Kevin from the start so when he went to Renault Gunter was already communicating with Kevin to try to get him to come to Haas. Oh, I didn't know that. Do we know why? He just thought that he was the driver that they that none of these other teams were seeing him as. Oh, so that's an interesting piece of history. It's kind of like the same stuff that we see today. It's like he was Kevin Magnuson's Dr. Dre. Whoa. Yeah. Like- Trying to find Eminem. That's tight, dude. Nice flow. Like, yeah, like... If he'd always kind of wanted Kevin Magnuson and kind of saw a driver that no one else saw, he did, he did it again with all of us trying to guess Holkenberg and Giovinazzi yeah. and then pulls up Kevin Magnuson again. 
It's like, oh, he they they have a, must have a really good relationship, and obviously Kevin Maxson knows the car and the company, and so it's a good match. And another good indicator that Gunter has a good eye mm. for things. He really does. He's got a good eye. Kevin has been impressive in everything he's done. I mean, with where we're at now, and we peg teammates against each other, Roman versus Kevin. They're pretty even balance. And the thing that's interesting is that, again, <laughs> we see Roman go to IndyCar and suddenly be a race car driver. Mm. We never got to see him really compete at the level that he's totally. capable of. Yeah, totally. He just wasn't. And he gets in an IndyCar and it's like, whoa, the dude can drive. I love that I'm discovering this Gunter Magnuson like, little friendship makes sense why he doesn't invite Grosjean to that dinner and just has <laughs> Magnuson and then tells everyone, yeah, I tell I tell him, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I tell him he's not invited. Don't worry about it. Cool. <laughs> everyone, Kevin's here though. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, how many points does Magnuson have in his F1 career right now? Like over his whole span. Can we, off the top of your head, Mike, do you know? Uh, he has 158 points to this point. Oh, that's cool. Like, and how many podiums? He has one with McLaren. His Just first. that first one. Yeah. That's fun to hear. A really competitive driver. Um, yeah. If we can get that many points this year in the Haas, man, we are doable. doing look really good. We're yeah. do- it's doable. Now from 2017, leading up until where we are in present day, we have Drive to Survive to thank for a reference as to what happened with Kevin at Haas. Right. We have a ton of details in Drive to Survive for whatever reason they really dug deep with Haas, which is really fun that we I, get that we get to see some of that relationship. Uh, Haas just wanted any and all publicity because yeah. they're the, the underdogs. That's it. Yeah. Scrappiest that's it. on the grid. Because wasn't Ferrari Mercedes not even in the first season? They told them Hell no. Because it's like, don't show our secrets. Yeah. We don't need this. We don't want cameras wandering around. Right. Scrappiest wounds on the grid. So we see so so we see some disappointments, we see some wins in that period. Yeah, we, we oh, overcame yeah. some hurdles. Yeah, no, no, no podiums. <laughs> no actual wins or podiums. <laughs> no. But, no. But like up in the mid pack we was exciting. Competitive. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's fun. Yeah, absolutely. What are some highlights? Competing with some of these top dogs that bring hundreds of millions to the table for third and fourth in the championship. So, I mean, mm. over the course of those couple of years where the car was really building steam, they were really competitive. Yeah. And as we know, and we've discussed some conspiracy theories there, we feel like they took some backseat to get to where we are today. Yeah. I love Das Plan. <laughs> yeah, we got to do that. We got to make a sticker. Yeah. Das Plan. I love the sticker idea. Das Plan. That's great. Obviously some uh, the obstacles that we have faced in our world today have set up a different situation but I think that while we had the development cash to build the car I'm excited for Kevin to get behind the wheel of it and be able to make a difference and see what he can do with something that's been really well put together yeah absolutely and we're already seeing it man I mean again like we said testing doesn't matter that much but if he's doing that well right off the bat with zero experience and a year off on a new spec car Pretty it's cool. really hopeful. It's really, really helpful. It's looking good. I've said it before. I'm so excited for this season, man. I'm so excited to see that car up in the midfield at the very least this week, man. We're going to see it. I'm like so stoked for real. The only reason I'm not tapping my feet right now is because the microphone will pick it up and then I'll be in trouble with Parker. But you're excited. But I am foot tapping excited. All right, switching gears. 
That's one small step for man, 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 man. My life. One giant leap for man, guy. Hot spot podcast. <laughs> Ask not but you. Moving on to tech. Last week, we were talking about the rules for passing along tech. Yeah, we were talking about chassis and engine suppliers that are teams passing along their new technology to subsidiary teams. Last week, we weren't quite sure how that worked, but we just want to do a quick follow-up on what the deets are, just because we were discussing whether Ferrari had to pass along their engines immediately to Haas, or if they needed to wait a year, which was all part of our our Haas conspiracy of whether Ferrari's been sandbagging. So take it away, Mike. Yeah, so based off of what I was able to gather, and it seems as though I was pretty close to accurate here, main thing here is this is a contract between the teams, almost more so than the FIA, because these teams are paying big money for power units. Yeah. But the main point is, is that it is a needs to be trickled down to the teams as quickly as possible and with a realistic expectation. What kind of time frame is that? Without actually having calendar days or anything built into that, it's just the timeline of can Ferrari have an engine for a race weekend that the other teams don't have? Yes, but only because logistically speaking, they could build that engine for themselves first and then build the rest for the other teams. But outside of that, it's not going to be two and three weekends or an entire series. I would say that Fred Vasseur and Gunter would be flipping tables in Ferrari if they went three mm. races without the most up-to-date spec. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, super interesting. Okay, cool. Thanks for that quick follow-up, Mike. Yep. Uh, closing out, we have a listener question. What's that question, Max? We love questions. If you want to email in questions, it's doshossboys at gmail.com. The question this week comes from Sam, I guess an avid listener of our show now. He's loving the question feature. And these are great questions. This one is, ready. Is there any sort of courtesy or moral rules? Like, I would imagine because these cars cost so much money that they would rather not get crazy close to someone for fear of damaging themselves. Also, with this in mind, are there big guys that will just block the road so no one wants to get up close and damage their cars? That's a really interesting question. And knowing that each car is, you know, worth ten, fifteen million dollars, uh, you would assume that there'd be some gentlemen's rules. But uh, on the other hand, they race to win. So it is. It's an interesting question. What's your take, Max? I, I, like I'm thinking of Haas right now, and from their point of view, like yeah, this car costs so much money. Um, when Mick or Kevin gets in the car, is that on their brain? And I would think that that's something they need to push out of their brain. Yeah. Because if there's anything holding you back as a driver, even if it's like cost of the car and you don't want to like cost your company more money or whatever, like you're not going to hit the gas. You're not going to hit the gas and then you're not a competitive driver. Right. What's the quote that we already have quoted twice? If you see a gap and you don't take it, you're not a race car driver. Yeah. And if you run into the back of your your closest competitor, then you're Lewis Hamilton. That's part of the painting he's completing, the masterpiece. The masterpiece, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a piece of that that we don't have yet. (laughs) But he's going to put his final brushstrokes on it this season. Turning to you, Mike. So yeah, I agree with you completely that these drivers need to push it out of their mind. 
But historically, do you know of any sort of unspoken agreement or spoken agreement between drivers that basically says, let's wreck each other as little as possible? Or what do you know about the culture among F1 drivers? For the most part, the gentleman's agreement that exists is around qualifying more so than anything that's really in the race. And qualifying is, for those that aren't aware, is the timed laps that these drivers do before the race that determines where their position is on the starting grid. In qualifying, there are some gentlemen's agreements, but they're also loose. And some of those are about passing leading into the final corner where the start-finish line is. If there's a long queue and people are waiting to start their laps, that you're not meant to overtake in that window. Yeah. That you wait your turn, and then that way everyone gets a clean lap, and they get their opportunity to get a little bit of a slipstream going down the straight. There's a few benefits for everyone in that way. So they tend not to step on each other's toes in those areas because of those like benefits that they're passing along. And on like a race day, I would think the thing that's holding drivers back from crashing into each other or being crashed into is because they don't want to damage their car. Right. And, and points. I don't know what that means. So like if <laughs> they could lose points. You lose oh yeah, 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 yeah. There are there are regulations in the sport that also come from the FIA. So if you cause an accident and you do get a five second five second penalty from the stewards, you also get a certain number of points on your license as a super licensed driver. I do not know what you're talking about. Do you have to get a super license <laughs> like from the super DMV? <laughs> this is crazy. It's in Monaco. It's on a yacht. <laughs> And they're still lying. It actually still takes 45 minutes just to look at a sign and tell them that your eyes worked. And then they send you back so that you can get the right documents. Janice on the yacht tells you that you need two forms of identification. (laughs) Yeah. Super license. So a super license is something that you have (laughs) to earn in order to be able to participate in F1. Mike is just making stuff up. I'm not. I'm just a promise. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And I do. I do think that there. This is a regulation that's been kind of an ongoing topic between like an IndyCar driver. Does he need to get a super license to compete in F1? Where they're so similar. What's the governing body that's awarding these? The FIA. Oh, okay. Okay. So if you obtain the super license where you can race an F1 car. FIA calls it the super license. I've never heard of points being put on people's license or taken away or whatever. A penalty point is awarded to your license and if you get too many, you can be disqualified for a race. I want to know now which drivers have penalty points Oh, and they're accumulated. They carry over. I want to know what everyone's totals are. Leading into this year, drivers do have an accumulated points Mm. that are sitting there. I think Botas had some of the highest points from last year. Because he caused 10 cars to go off the track. A number of accidents a few times. (laughs) I mean, and, and like even just like little things, like bumping into like a tire at the wrong part of your car. Got it. Uh, Yuki Sonoda leading in penalty points. Followed by Sergio, Max, then Nick, Lati- then Nicholas Latifi, Sebastian, Nikita, Lance Stroll. What's Yuki at? Yuki's at eight. Oh. Sergio at seven, Max at seven, Latifi six, six, uh, Mazepin at six. I believe a race ban happens somewhere between like 12 and 18 uh. or something like that. Oh, so you can get pretty high. You can get a lot of points, but you can also get a lot of points. Yeah, there's a lot going on in a race. So even though it's like hitting tires, I've noticed in a few races that I've been watching in the seasons or whatever, like even just this tiniest little damage on a front wing, however unintentional, even if it just was like came off like hitting a curb or something, um, that's going to cost a lot to fix. But it's also, he can't 
continue racing on that. Can't even steer. Yeah, it's crazy. The aerodynamics that are coming over every little part of the car, if any of that is damaged, he's out. Yeah, and it makes the car undrivable. They want to get around each other as fast as possible without even touching each other because the risk is so high. For everyone on that grid, the risk is so high. Again, like you said, it, it comes down to more than money because there's there's a number of factors to consider. So if you do knock a wing off, say you broke the front wing or the, any piece of the nose, you have to go in for a pit stop, which is going to cost you upwards of 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you however long from where you broke the front wing on the racetrack to get back. And then if you were in the top 10, you were in a points finishing position. Then once you've had to replace your wing, you run the risk of no longer being in a points finishing position. So the sacrifice is huge. Right. And so you you could potentially put yourself in a really bad scenario if you're a McLaren competing with Ferrari for third in the championship. When we're talking tens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. in a deficit just because of one nose break yeah. on one weekend. Has a, has a team ever had to stop racing because they can't afford a car repair anymore? That's a good question. I think it has happened. And they've also run out of like chassis and parts and wow. things like that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's weird. The driver in the race can't worry about that. No. But then outside the race, yeah, you worry about it. Well, and we're in a new era. And that's another thing to consider is that the cost cap has officially taken effect. And this was something that Red Bull and Ferrari were throwing fits about last year was that Botas can bulldoze through five cars and that affects uh-huh. every team's budget. Except Mercedes. Except for, well, it still affects them. It's a yeah. drop in the bucket for but them. But he took out five cars. And all of those teams now suffer because of Botas's decision. Whoa, yeah. It's interesting. So yeah, maybe this will factor into the driver's minds from now on with the cost cap where, ba- where somebody like Botas may think twice before breaking so late, knowing that he, along with everyone else, is going to suffer pretty big time from losing suspension and a wing. Think about it this way. The gentleman's agreement that quote unquote exists in qualifying, but then doesn't really translate to the race does in some form. Because either way, when you're a race car driver, you race people the way they race you and they race you the way that you race them. And that's a give and take relationship of like, does if Max Verstappen was a mid pack driver and knowing what we know about him with his elbows out type of push people off the track, type of driving style if he was still in Toro Rosso five years deep that dude would have no friends and people would be crashing into him pushing him off track he would have Pastor Maldonado status of nobody likes you on the track and so there is a lot of give and take in those teams that know that are going to be competing with each other an entire race whereas the front teams like we've seen in the past they have like five second gaps between them at times it's like two different races happening right Mm -hmm. which is why the mid-pack becomes something that we are so interested in because that battle is so tight now this year we could see that at the front we don't know interesting Uh, that's really cool. Uh, one quick note. So the the numbers that I just read off, the eight and the seven and the six, that was for last season only and they expire every 12 months. But the people that have the most ever, including expired points are Roman Grosjean and Max mm-hmm. at 21. They got, they got race bans? No, nobody's, oh. nobody's reached a race ban because you have to reach 12 per season. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Yuki was four off last season. But it no is 12 yet. though? It's 12. Oh, I see. 12 per season. If you're a really good driver... You, you could basically like you just aim for a part where you know you're not going to get hit. So if, if you can get your front tire to hit your opponent's side pod, yeah, 
you will not incur damage, but yeah. you will send them into the wall at Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's interesting. And I think if you race for long enough, you'll get that dialed in. Like, <laughs> I'll bet that one of the oldest racers on the track would be able to execute that on one of the younger racers at Silverstone, for example, quite easily. And yeah, if you probably looked at their history, they probably practiced on like other people who were probably on that same team. Yeah, yeah. Who were new to Red Bull. New to Red Bull. And beating you. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it would then be possible that you could execute that same corner in the same position with another driver 10 laps later and have a completely <laughs> different outcome. Well, that would be too hard to say. But only good drivers yeah. know how to do that. Only the best. Uh, thank you so much for the question, Sam. That was a very interesting subject. Keep sending your questions to us at Haas.boys on Instagram or dashaasboys at gmail.com. Also, we're online at haasboys.com. That's true. We have a website. Yeah. That happened. <laughs> that yeah. did happen. Yeah. We got a website. There's been so much going on in F1. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. We yeah. forgot about our own news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, keep sending them in, and uh, we will keep answering. Join us this Sunday at 8.55 a.m. for the Bahrain Grand Prix first of this season. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Kids eat free. <laughs> Join us. Goodbye. Yeah, it's just a feedback. She's a stallion.